Thanks for joining Emmanuel Christian Community. In the Bible, God's Spirit creates life and order out of gloomy and lifeless situations. It begins with creation in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. And it continues through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the same Spirit who leads Jesus also leads us as followers today. So in this series, join us as we learn how to be faithful followers, effective witnesses, and how to live life to its fullest through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Well, since this is the 4th of July, the day my home country celebrates its independence from the British, let me give you a little bit of trivia about us Americans. Many of the states have nicknames. For example, California is called the Golden State or Florida is called the Sunshine State. My home state of Georgia is called the Peach State. And peaches grow everywhere in Georgia. In fact, I spent eight years of growing of my growing up years living with my grandparents who lived in a community that previously was a peach orchard. Almost every house in our community had at least one peach tree in it. We certainly did. The wonderful thing about a healthy peach tree is that as it sinks its roots in the soil, it doesn't have to go very deep before it takes root. And then it begins to produce fruit. In other words, it doesn't take years and years and years and deep, deep, deep roots. Well, it just has to be planted in the ground. And fruit comes fairly quickly, most years. So why the lesson on the peach tree, Ken? Well, because I feel like the peach tree is a great analogy for what we're going to be talking about all summer long, which is the Holy Spirit. As we sink our roots into God, into the soil of God's love, and as we are given the Holy Spirit, we quickly produce fruit. Downward roots, upward fruits. And all summer long, we're going to be talking about how this works, how God uses the Holy Spirit in our lives to produce fruit. Downward roots, upward fruits. And if it helps even to understand what I mean by fruit, let the peach analogy kind of stay with you uh, if you want to. It's a great analogy. The peach is, is a, a good outcome of a peach tree. It's nutritious, it's tasty, it brings health and, and healing to people who partake of it. The peach is just a wonderful fruit in so many ways. You can tell I'm proud of my peach, peach state, right? Well, today I want to kick us off by simply asking the question, what is the Holy Spirit? Or maybe better said, who is the Holy Spirit? We believe at ECC that God is a Trinitarian God, which means, which means he is one God, but his oneness are three persons. God as a Father, God as the Son in Jesus Christ, and God as the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have time for a message on the Trinity. And I won't give you any cheesy illustrations to kind of explain the Trinity because I want you to see something wonderful about this. And this is this, that God is literally giving us a part of himself when we receive the Holy Spirit, which makes this relationship with God very personal. And so the answer to who is the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is actually a part of God, and he gives us that part of him. 
He gives the Holy Spirit to us. And the Holy Spirit is this very life breath and energy within us as a Jesus follower, that is. And without the Holy Spirit, we have no real life, no real fruit. About a year ago, I read a news article about a police department in California that uses Teslas as their police department uh, cars. They must have had a big tax base. <laughs> However, during a high-speed chase, one of the Teslas ran out of a battery and was no longer able to continue the pursuit, and the criminal, yep, got away. It kind of made me think of myself. I sometimes think I can run this race of faith that's set before me as a Jesus follower, but somehow forget that I need the Holy Spirit. I need that inside of my life to complete this race, if you will. If we aren't charged and totally led by the Holy Spirit, then we may run for a bit, but eventually we'll tire out and things won't end well. And those downward roots, well, if there's not there, there won't be any upward fruits. So let's briefly go to the Bible, see what we can learn there about the Holy Spirit, and let's go all the way back to page one, in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, where we first see the Holy Spirit mentioned. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, Genesis chapter one, starting with verse two. Here's what it says. It says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There it is. Did you see it? The Spirit of God was hovering. Now, I've mentioned the folks at the Bible Project before, and, and they give a really helpful tip on understanding what this means, this term, the Spirit of God. So I'm going to borrow from them to kind of get us started with this. In the original language of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, the word used here for spirit is ruach. Yeah, you kind of you have to say it and clear your throat at the same time at the end. Ruach. Go, go ahead. Look at the person next to you or, or just talk back to the computer and just give it a try yourself. Ruach. That's kind of fun to say. Well, in the Hebrew, it's a way of describing God's personal presence. But still, that's a bit fuzzy too, right? I mean, what even does God's personal presence mean? What does that mean? When our English language, maybe the best comparison is the word energy, but an invisible energy. For example, the wind or electricity. Both are very powerful and, and you can't see either of them, right? You, can't see the, you can see the effects, but you actually can't see the energy. So, Electricity or wind is one way to describe this energy. Another word often used is breath. There's a certain energy inside of each of us. We feel that and it's our breath. When we breathe in, and when we breathe out, it's just life, right? And the original Hebrews would use both of these words, wind and breath. They obviously didn't have electricity or they would have used that probably. Uh, they would use wind and breath to describe God's presence, God's ruach. Both are invisible, both are powerful. Wind is powerful, God's spirit is powerful. Just as breath keeps us alive, so does the spirit of God, and it sustains all of life. And in the story of the Bible, we see God's spirit 
empowers people for God's purposes. We, we see it all throughout the Bible. For example, we see it in people like Joseph, who God gives special power to, and he's able to interpret dreams and be a great leader. We see in the lives of the prophets, men like Jeremiah or Ezekiel, who are able to understand history and how God's been working, as well as how God will continue to work in the future. You know, one of the key things the prophets told us was that God would pour out his spirit to future generations, that God will pour out his spirit on people to transform our hearts, to truly live as God intended. Well, let's go on. Let's move to the New Testament and see how God pours out his spirit into Jesus and then into us. How does this all fit together? In the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth, he is baptized by John, John the Baptist. And when he comes up out of the water, a dove lands on him. It's such, it's such an important moment. So let's take a, a quick look at it from the book of John, which is a different guy, not John the Baptist. John chapter 1, verse 32. John chapter 1, verse 32. Here's how it reads. So, John the Baptist is the one talking here. He says, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him, and he was speaking of Jesus. I myself did not know him. This is John speaking, remember. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus begins his ministry, he is starting something new. And here at his baptism, God is empowering him with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, he heals people. He preaches like no one's ever preached. He forgives sins. He, he stands for justice. All new stuff, really. And he's bringing life, in essence, a new creation to all mankind. However, the religious leaders of that day were quite threatened by him, and they eventually had him killed. But the same spirit that was at his baptism, the same spirit that empowered him to, to bring new life and to heal and to preach and, and all the things that he did, the same spirit brought him back to life. In John chapter 20, Jesus comes to his followers. This is after he's risen from the dead, and he breathes on them in some mysterious way. And John, the writer, tells us they received the Holy Spirit. And Jesus then tells them, stay together just, just for a bit in Jerusalem because the same Spirit that I just gave you, that same Spirit that's empowered me, Jesus, is now going to empower all of our followers. And they will carry on this mission. And sure enough, during the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon all the Jesus followers who were there. Well, for us today, we have that same Spirit in us if we have said yes to following Jesus. Those who follow Jesus have, their, have the very personal Spirit of God in you, in us. That's amazing. We actually have part of God in us. It's simply a gift from God when we say yes to following Jesus. Okay, so 
Where does that leave us now? Okay? For those of us who follow Jesus, we have this very real, very personal presence, this ruach of God in us. And as we sink our roots deeper into the soil of God's love, the outcome is fruit. And it's because of the Holy Spirit. God is for us. God is for everyone. Healthy and healing, downward, roots, upward, fruits. Over the summer, we're going to explore three aspects of this, this this fruit of the Spirit, this empowering fruit of God's Spirit. The first first, uh, section is going to be that God's Holy Spirit empowers us to love God and to be faithful followers. The second area we're going to look at is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to love others and be effective witnesses. And then thirdly, how the Holy Spirit empowers us to live life to its fullest. There are six other people along with myself, and we will touch on one of these three areas. Let me conclude by saying this. I have found that some people may seem afraid, maybe. Maybe that's the right word to use, to talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe hesitant. That there are things about the Spirit we can't always understand and explain. And, and, and I admit, sometimes it makes me just a tad bit nervous. Not a lot, but mostly it energizes me. I get excited. I, I, I've come to realize that there's dimensions of the Holy Spirit's ministry I have just never tapped into. I have witnessed a dynamic power in the presence of God, this ruach that I long to know more of firsthand. Put differently, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm hungry for more of him, and I long to know God more deeply, more intimately. And if you're hungry too, stay with us this summer. Let's see how God feeds us and then and produces that upward fruit that allows us to give away what we've been so freely given. Downward roots, upward fruit. Father, I pray for us that as we begin this series this summer, you open our minds, open our hearts, allow us to be filled with you so that we can give you away. Amen. Because there's so much to be said about the Holy Spirit, we've built a resource page on our website to help. In fact, one of those resources comes from our very own, our very own first pastor, George Malone. Uh, so navigate to here, myecc.ca slash Holy Spirit, myecc.ca slash Holy Spirit, and check out those resources.